Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode, and you're listening to Recode Media with Peter Kafka, powered by Digital Media. Before we launch Recode Media as its own podcast, you may have heard Peter over at my podcast, Recode Decode. Here's one of the fantastic interviews he did for Decode. Let's listen. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by Digital Media. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. This is our special weekly segment with host Peter Kafka, Recode's Senior Editor and Producer of the Code Media Conference. Joining Peter each week are some of his favorite movers and shakers in the media world. Peter, this week you talked to Katie Nolan, who I understand does something related to sports ball. Oh, come on, Kara. You're a big Katie no. Nolan fan. I know you're watching no, Fox Sports 1. I don't Sports know who 1. she is. You're, 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 you've stumped me. Katie Nolan is a newfangled sports media star. A few years ago, she was uh, bartending during the day and creating a Tumblr at night, and now she's got her own TV show. She's really mm-hmm. irreverent and funny and interesting. She's also a woman, which is pretty rare to okay. have as a sports TV host, so we're going to hear more from her. What does she do? What is the, what does she's she the do host exactly? of, she's got her own TV show on Fox Sports 1, which is like ESPN, but much smaller and owned by Rupert Murdoch and it's like a variety show or a Stephen Colbert show. It's very cool. You'll love it. Cool. I cannot wait. By the way, if you're listening to this with Louie, who uh, one of your kids, someone who has sensitive ears, you you might want some earmuffs there because there are a couple F-bombs in this because Katie swears Uh, and it's contagious and I I dropped an F-bomb as well. I swear and my kid watched Ted too, so I think we're in safe territory. Here we go. What were you doing five years ago? Uh, Katie Nolan was a bartender five years ago (laughs) in Massachusetts. Then she started blogging. And now she's got her own TV show. Uh, Welcome to my show, Katie. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. I I did some Googling. I want to introduce you, but it's easier to tell you what the internet says about you. Okay. Katie Nolan's Garbage Time is the future of sports TV, says one article. Mm -hmm. Another article says you are the woman holding the NFL accountable. All right. Uh, another Another one says you are bringing a sneaky feminism to Fox Sports. I'll take it. Have we introduced you appropriately? That's you took all the good things the internet says, which I appreciate. Well, yeah, we'll get to the bad things in a minute. But so here, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll round it out. So you you host your own television show on Fox Sports One, which is sort of a would be ESPN rival. One day it's going to crush ESPN. Is yes, point. very soon. I think next week we start crushing ESPN. The crushing starts soon. Yeah. So you're in your second season. It airs Wednesday night. You should watch it. It's awesome. Thank so now we got the full introduction. That's perfect. There's perfect. nothing else. I go now. We're Does done. This is where yeah. I leave. We're done. Um, <laughs> first, tell me your life story. Okay. So, so here's. There's a bunch of things I want to talk about, but one of the things I think is interesting about you is is sort of what I hinted at in, in that introduction, which is you you went very quickly from the internet to television. And you still got your sort of feet in the internet. And I just think your story, how you got to where you are, is pretty interesting. Can so can you explain how you got from a bartending job to a blogging job to a television job? Yeah, it, you kind of summed it up pretty quickly, but uh, I was bartending. I wanted to, I was working at a bar near BU, interacting with a lot of college kids. Not very intellectually stimulating, I guess is the nicest way to put it. So I started a blog to keep myself busy during the days because it's very easy to fall into a habit of sleeping all day and working all night. So I started a blog and then... Um, what, was the, what was the blog called? It was called, what can I say on this podcast? Anything can you, you curse? Want, yeah, okay, yeah. it was called Bitches Can't Swear Hang. Swear it up. Yeah. Oh, well, it fuck up. yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> We'll believe, if we have to believe, I don't know. Maybe maybe you can't swear. I'm sure we can. Was it on Blogger? Or? It was on Tumblr. Tumblr. Yep. And so I was posting three, four, five posts a day, even though nobody was reading them because I wanted to be consistent and get myself into the habit this is of just posting. writing exercise. Yeah, basically. And somebody ended up finding me through the Tumblr community who worked for a website called Guyism, which is now I don't think they're a website anymore. Um, but anyway, so R. they RIP Guyism. Yeah, it was poor thing. It, it died. So we they found me. They asked me to write for them for free. 
And what was uh, – please give us free content. Yeah, heard that we're going to give you a weekly column on our site, and it'll be quid pro quo. So we'll send people to your website uh-huh. so you can make ad dollars. And I said, I don't know how to make ad dollars from my website. I'm just blogging to keep myself busy. So I did that for a little while, and then they approached me with this idea to do daily videos. And at the time, I'd never done anything on video. I didn't know how to edit videos. I knew I was very uncomfortable on camera. Be- before we get to the camera, what were you yeah. blogging about? I mean, it was... It-, it was like a pop culture, weird news stories, some sports, mostly things that had to do with women and how women are perceived or how we're supposed to be. So let's say there's one where there's a woman wrote a book like Football for Ladies. And so I tore it apart saying that Football for Ladies is the same as Football for Men and we don't have to wear color-coded outfits and, to a football And what game. was... like Besides the fact that you wanted to write because you wanted to learn or teach yourself how to write or, or get better at writing what was animating this were you were, was, there, was there a model you were using oh i want to be like this person i want i like what this person's saying I at the time a I, was, of that. I was reading a lot of barstool sports are you familiar with no it's a it was a small blog that sort of has now grown in its reach but it has a very dedicated audience it's snarky funny sports based but also had a lot of when a weird news story comes across, they'll they'll talk about that. So I was reading a lot of that. I sort of wanted to do that, and you know, Gawker, all those websites. So that's kind of, I guess, what the so model you're doing was. Your own riff on Barstool Sports and Gawker, basically. With your twist with they, nobody reading it. And they said, "Give guyism came and said, give us some free content." Yeah. Okay. So I did that, and then when they asked to do a video series, I said no immediately because I knew that I wasn't good at it. I didn't know what I was doing, and it didn't make sense. They wanted five videos a week, a daily video about the news. Sort of like weekend update, headline joke, headline joke, headline joke. And it was, I got to write it myself, film it myself, research it myself. What an honor. I know. To do all the free labor. So I said no. But so, and was your aspiration that, well, I do want to be on TV or video one day? So, so what was the, okay. So how do they get you to be on camera? Well, they offered me money. (laughs) And so it was like, write for free for us and bartend or... We'll pay you to do this. They offered me $750 a month, which was my rent. So I took it. Good deal. And I did. Well, it wasn't, but I didn't learn that until afterwards. I didn't realize how much work it was actually going to be. So I stayed bartending and was doing daily videos, teaching myself how to use editing programs and software I'd never seen before. Eventually bought myself a green screen, taught myself how to light it, taught myself how audio works, kind of, and produced these productions five days a week writing all the jokes myself and finding all the news so you didn't just stumble into this though i mean if you're if you're going and doing all this work and figuring out how to edit and writing your own jokes you you must have have had some sense that all right this is going to lead to something not really once i do something i don't really half-ass it i don't see the point so once it was my job and i was seeing that i was doing these videos every day and putting the work in and they were getting like 700 views I was like, what What gives? Where are all the views? I want the views. So I found other people who were doing similar content and tried to emulate them and see what they were doing to get all those views. So I was watching a lot of SourceFed and all those news videos that really get pushed out. A lot of uh, Philip DeFranco, mm-hmm. just to see what he was doing and what they were doing that made those go. Um, and that's why I bought so a So this screen. works on YouTube. I want to do a version of that. Yeah, basically. And then do you think, oh, maybe this will lead to a YouTube deal or i'll become a youtube celebrity not really i'm one of my downfalls as a human is i don't really plan for the future i more just try to do the best at whatever i'm doing at the moment so i wanted them to be really good i was hoping they would start to get more views because they really only ever averaged like six thousand unless it had the word boobs in the title and then it was like twenty thousand 
Um, but it, I didn't really have a, a goal I was working towards in mind. I just wanted to get really good at it and then take it from there. And then, and then at some point, Fox shows up and says, hey. Well, first, no. so I was still living in Boston at the time, and then Guyism got bought out by another company. And they said, if you want to keep your job, you have to move to New York. We're going to build you a studio. And I, uh, they offered me a salary, which was amazing and exciting. I quit my bartending job a, a couple months before that because I started to really focus on these. Uh, so I had to move to New York. I moved to Hoboken because they didn't pay me enough to move to actual New York. There's people in that other room that live in Hoboken. Really? Yeah, it's a lovely that. It's a lovely place. I still live there. It's where I live. Um, so I, I moved to New York to do God knows what. I was going to keep making YouTube videos, I guess. So I did that. And then two months in... Uh, one of my my boss at Guyism approached me and said, "We've been approached by Fox. They're launching a twenty four hour sports network. They're interested in getting you out of your contract to go work for them. We made a deal. You have to go work for them now." They sold you. They traded Basically, you. Basically, yeah, for ad dollars. It was like a dowry. It was like a cow. <laughs> I think they got a cow in exchange for me. How many cows? So two, maybe one and a half. All right. One and a half. Uh, so I did. I did it, and I wasn't ready, and I freaked out that I'd only ever been doing. I mean, up until I moved to New York. When I filmed my videos, I was alone all the time in a room because you sort of have to go to a weird mental place to be animated to a camera. And if there's another person in the room, it throws you off a little. So I got very used to being alone with my camera. And then all of a sudden I was going to go be on TV where there were going well, to be a dude behind the camera. Yeah, or like 25 people in the room watching. So I freaked out that I wasn't ready. I went to an audition for Fox that I bombed. They even called me after and said, well, that wasn't good. But it's not your fault. We threw you in a situation that you weren't comfortable. I had to read a teleprompter. I'd never seen one before. I had an IFB in my ear. I'd never had that before. So I was a little freaked out. But then we found something that was a better fit, which was a panel show called Crowd Goes Wild. So that was on television? Yes. And at what point did you get your head around the idea that, hey, I was bartending a couple years ago, and then I was blogging, and now I'm going on TV? Did you embrace that, or did you have to be sort of coaxed into it? It was... uh it happened so fast that I wasn't really conscious of it, but anytime we did any sort of media, the first question was, who are you and where did you come from and what were you doing a few years ago? Uh, and the hardest thing for me was trying to explain to people how much work went into the YouTube thing, because it wasn't a lot of work and a lot of reward. It was you know, a lot of work for videos that didn't get that many views, but it was hours and hours and hours of my life. And I lost friends and jobs because I dedicated myself to making these videos. To what end, I didn't really know, but it ended up working out but it's it's such an untraditional path yeah. that people are confused when you work for a national sports network and they've never seen you on a local affiliate and they've never seen you work the sideline before and you have to explain that yeah i took a different way but, i came from the internet yeah but i'm here and i'm staying here so don't get any ideas and again there are a bunch of people who are making a living a r real money on on youtube and depending on what time of day and how many drinks you've had when they've had when you ask them they say I, I don't want to leave the internet I want to stay here this is where my fan base is I don't I wouldn't take a TV deal if one got offered to me um, but you went right away to TV when it showed up yeah I think for me uh, since I never really caught on on YouTube I mean like I said we didn't have that many views it wasn't like I had I did have a dedicated small audience that I probably still know many of them by name because I was interacting with them on Facebook and on Twitter and in the comment section of my videos. But they were a small group. And it, it wasn't a... I didn't feel that if I left for TV and, and the original role that I was playing for Fox Sports was going to be the internet person for TV. So I, I felt like it, would, it was still connected enough. But I understand the, the Jenna Marbles and the, and the Grace Helbigs who think 
my audience is here, and if I leave, they might not come Although with they, me. Although they've gone to TV they anyway. Have. Does, has Jenna Marbles? I retract that. I don't know mm. if Jenna has, but Grace, Grace has a TV did, show. Yeah. If you're enjoying this interview, you won't want to miss Code Media 2016, where there's an amazing lineup of tech and media leaders, and they're going to be on stage with Kara Swisher, Walt Mossberg, and myself. Join us February 17th and 18th, 2016 in Laguna Niguel. That's in Southern California, right on the Pacific. It's really nice. As we explore the intersecting worlds of media and technology, view the full speaker lineup and register for the event at recode.net slash events. Call live rate. How was you that? You nailed that. I've never done I'm it before. so impressed by you right now. I'm in awe. I'm, I'm blushing. <laughs> um, so let's talk about what you're doing now. So okay. we, we talked earlier before you came on, and, and I've heard interviews with you, and it seems like on the one hand, you don't really want to be labeled as the woman who's on television sports. And on the other hand, you seem to some embrace the role. I mean, it's, it's very rare that there's a woman on TV in sports, period. And it's very rare that someone gets to do what you're doing, which is give your opinion. And you're, you're encouraged to give your opinion. You do sort of a comedy slash analysis show. Are you comfortable being that, that sort of anomaly in that world? Yeah. I mean, I recognize the responsibility that comes with it and the the sort of weight I have to carry to be that woman. My goal is to always do things that I'm proud of and to hold the door open for, for women to come after me. Um, did you think that right away or did you sort of no, come at to first, that? No, at first it was sort of a strange thing to... I, I, I guess being a woman, I don't often think about how I'm a woman because it's just I've always been this way. Uh, so when people were looking at me like, wow, for a woman, you're this is amazing. And I was just thinking, well, I think it's amazing that I'm here because it happened really quickly. I never even really was conscious of the fact that I'm a female. Um, but after doing it for a while and and sort of seeing the benefits and the, the downside of, of people expecting you to play that role of the woman uh, and speaking to other women who work in sports TV who do th- similar things to what I do, it's right now my, my goal and my responsibility is it's all about lifting other women up so that because there's plenty of women like me who love sports and who are funny and and enjoy this world they just don't feel welcome here so my goal now is to is to make them feel welcome to say hey i'm here you can come be here too what's your, what's your guess on your audience breakdown what, what percentage uh, i'd say it's like 90 10 90 10 uh, maybe it's starting to skew 85 15 but i it's mostly male so there's a couple things going on right on, on the one hand you say you feel a responsibility for for helping women sort of do what you're we're doing and then also you're speaking to a predominantly male audience about sports which they want to hear about but it seems like you you make a point of saying occasionally I'm going to shove something in your face that you might not be comfortable with. Yeah, um, you've gotten a, a lot of attention for when you've taken on stuff like Greg Hardy and domestic abuse. Do you think about that specifically when you do it, or just an issue, just something you want to talk about that day? Well, so it's tough because our goal was to do a, a comedy show that was based in sports, and then it, it got to a point where things, you know, the NFL had such an awful year last year with off the field issues and this year yeah and it's probably going to keep going next year and the year after that but it seemed like the first time that and it could have been because i was paying extra attention but the first time it was really sort of coming to the forefront of the conversation and so it's tough when you're doing a comedy show and you my first thought was that's not my space we'll just let that stuff go and i'll do the silly things and after you know hearing and absorbing and interacting with enough sports tv and seeing men talk about it in a way that sort of felt like a voice was missing from the conversation and seeing a lot of women not have the opportunity to say what they think it it reached a breaking point where i just thought i 
should probably say something because I'm in a position to, and it would be irresponsible of me to say I didn't address it because I wanted to make a, a joke instead. So it's interesting and it's been difficult to find that balance. But what I found is if there's something that really speaks to me or that really upsets me and that there's no way for me to sit on set and deliver jokes about some stupid something without thinking about how important this issue is, then that's when I'll speak on it. It seems like whenever you touch that, that wire, the press really responds to that, yeah. right? I can again, go back through your clippings, and there's there's stories about you taking on people who work at Fox Sports who wrote something stupid about them. You've eviscerated yeah. your co-worker. <laughs> Talked about Greg Hardy recently. Do you get response from the viewers one way or the other, or it's all sort of the same to them? That's an interesting question. I think there's a huge response in general from because the media will talk about it, and then we'll get new viewers based on you know what they see. And I think it's because it looks like I'm the only person doing it. So that's why it's a story. Whereas like we work really hard on our comedy segments that don't necessarily transcend in that way because a lot of people are doing comedy. But to have a woman talking about domestic violence, it's very rare in sports. And so, again, it's, it's really rare to have a woman... Talk about on, anything on the sports. air, period. And then if you're a woman and you're you're dealing with the internet, which you do, you, you're on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You get you get a bunch of feedback, and you did a you did a great bit that I want to play a, a clip of. This is you responding. That's from a previous show you did. It's you responding to some of your YouTube commenters. So I'm going to play it for you. You suck. You're awesome. I fucking hate you, you fucking bitch. I love your honesty. Tits or GTFO. You know what? Thank you for letting me choose. That's very progressive of you. Time for tighter shirts. Yeah, or just spitball in here. What if I got a boob job? So that was awesome, right? So you're telling you the, the, the commentators are saying I'd like to do various sexual things to you, <laughs> yep. or you're okay for a woman, and you you eat it up and you respond. Did anyone tell you? Look, don't encourage don't don't encourage the trolls. There. All the time, everyone says don't feed the trolls, and I understand it to a point after been having done this for a couple years now. And I, I see that point, but at the same time, it's, it's you know, we should be yelling at them for saying the things they say. So I try to always find a funny or interesting way to spin the negative stuff into something that could make more fun content. I mean, if they're going to, if but I'm going to have hundreds of tweets. And you're a real person. Yes. No, but they are a power real, imbalance. they're real people. Mm-hmm. They just don't have the balls to put their face and name on anything they say. My colleague slash boss, Kara Swisher, did an interview with Lena Dunham, who said, I just had to get off Twitter because yeah. it, it was too violent. I felt uncomfortable there. It didn't make any sense for me to be there, but you're okay there. Yeah, I understand that mentality, and it's it's what's led to me. I check my replies less often. I used to read every single one, and I found that affecting me mentally. When you're absorbing that much negativity from strangers on a constant basis, even if consciously you're not buying into what they say, subconsciously you start to get this voice in the back of your head that tells you you're not worth anything and that they may be on to something. So I've stopped checking them as much with much encouragement from my producers to please stop reading your Twitter replies. And I it has improved my mental state and my feelings about myself. But at the same time, like you were saying before, when I, you get your start on the internet, if you go to TV and abandon everything that you had coming up, you'll lose your audience because you come off as inauthentic. And I the only thing I ever want to make sure I always do is stay true to myself and stay true to what got me here. And a lot of what got me here is interacting with people on Twitter, being very active on Twitter, whether it's live tweeting, sporting events or, you know, the Grammys or whatever it is. And that part is still really important to me. And do the Fox people, do they want you to be the internet person who's on TV? I think so. When we first launched Garbage Time, it was supposed to be a multi-platform show. It still is. So a lot of our clips live online and do 
better online than they do actually on television, of course, because we're on at midnight. So I think we do, we're sort of the show that's trying out the, hey, what's going to happen in the future of television? Let's try some weird and interesting different things. And we're the show that sort of takes those chances. But they don't want you to have more viewers on the internet than you do on Facebook. I don't know how that works ad-wise, but I imagine if we can drive people to TV, that's probably the ideal. Yeah, there's a really good debate about whether that actually happens. I know, and it uh, it's fascinating to me. I think me. some people think there actually is zero connection. So, and how do you think, I mean, I've talked with people who are producing late night TV, which you do about, about this, right? So you've... You're in your 20s. You're part of the generation that's no longer paying for cable TV. Mm-hmm. You may not be watching it. Um, probably a lot of the people who are your age are not watching TV at Wednesday night at midnight. So how do you think about sort of either creating a show that will make them watch that at midnight or that they'll come to another time or maybe you just say, fuck it, it's all going to be on the Internet. <laughs> See, now I've got your potty mouth. Fuck it. Uh, well, mostly my, my philosophy for most things is fuck it, but I'd say – we're in a time slot that, to me, takes the pressure off the ratings. We're also on a brand new network, so I know that not, I don't think anything but live You're sports... You're starting from zero. Right. Uh, nothing but live sports on our network is crushing it right now that I'm aware of. So I'm, I'm not, I don't worry as much about ratings, mainly because I don't understand how they work. So that doesn't bother me as much. My goal is to put the show out and have enough clippable things in it that we can push out online that it may convert people to come watch the show or hopefully the powers that be at Fox are working on a way to make it so that that drives the ad dollars the way that the television show does. My main concern is the quality of the content and to make it shareable and something that people would want to seek out or that will move online. Who's your model for making things on TV that are shareable on the internet? I would say like a Jon Stewart mixed with a Jimmy Kimmel. Those are good models. Yeah, those guys have really big staffs. They have tons of writers. That I know, from but that's okay. We can do it from our from with our staff. You guys can pull it off. Yeah, I just always I look at the people who are doing it well, and I want to do it that way. And and people will say to me like, how? Why do you? Because I'll watch John Oliver and I'll transcribe his his rants. You manually transcribe yes, it. I'll type, type it out. them out and I put and then I'll color code them. What's a joke? What's a fact? And what's an element? And I study that to see how often he's telling jokes, how often he's establishing points, and how he moves from one point to the next. Because I haven't been doing this for that long. And people will say to me, like, he has a team of writers that write that for him. And I get that. But if I make excuses like that and say, oh, I'm not John Oliver because I only have me and a couple other producers, then I'm just limiting myself. I might as well strive to be him. And then if I fall short of it, at least I got closer than I would have if I just gave I want to see excuse. your color-coded notes. You should put those up on, on the internet. Maybe someday. I would click on those. <laughs> Katie Nolan, it's been awesome talking to you. Thanks thank for Thank you for by. having me. This is really fun. Thanks. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you enjoyed listening to this interview as much as I did conducting it, you should subscribe. Catch up on previous episodes and be the first to listen to new ones all at recode.net slash decode. Recode Decode is now twice a week. Kara Swisher will be back on Monday. She's got an interview with Yelp CEO Jeremy Stoppelman. And I'll be here next Thursday to talk to former Twitter CEO, current Medium founder, Ev Williams. See you soon. This has been Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. For more hard-hitting interviews with insiders from the worlds of tech, media, and politics, subscribe to Recode Replay on iTunes. Featuring candid conversations with leading voices like AOL CEO Tim Armstrong, Goldman Sachs' CIO Marty Chavez, the team behind the hit TV show Empire, Shark Tank investor Mark Cuban, and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. They're all on Recode Replay.